Bet you're wondering who we are and why we're here. It's really quite simple. It began with two sisters. One born with magical powers. One born powerless. Their love of snowmen, infinite. Oh, no, no, do I? Blast! Oh, Mama, Papa, help! Slam! Door shutting everywhere! Sisters torn apart! Well, at least they have their parents. Their parents are dead. Oh, oh hi, I'm Anna. I'll marry a man I just met. Elsa's gonna blow! Snow, snow! Oh, Magic pulses through my snowflakes. I live. Ice palace for one. Ice palace for one. Get out, Anna. My heart. Oh, my goodness. Only an act of true love can save you. Here's a true love's kiss. You're not worth it. Guess what? I'm the bad guy. What? And Anna freezes to death. Then she unfreezes. Oh, and then Elsa woke up the magical spirits and we were forced out of our kingdom. Now our only hope is to find the truth about the past, but we don't have a clue how to do that except Elsa's hearing voices, so we got that going for us. Any questions? I think they got it. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking the Mickey. My name's Ian. My name's Ellie. I'm Georgia. And I'm Ethan. And we are gathered here today, folks, to do our first sequel ever in Frozen 2. Woo! Also known as, if the cold didn't bother you anyway, this is going to put it to the test. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before we get into that... um, Let's just kind of talk about the week that was. Um, We did Hamilton less than a week ago. We did a special episode on Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton. And I still can't say that name without doing sort of the rhythmic (laughs) representation of Alexander Hamilton. And uh, Ethan, I went on a a deep dive of my own kind of personally and went and checked up on a bunch of stuff uh, from Hamilton. So I went back and looked at... Lin-Manuel Miranda debuting the idea at the White House. You talked about that last episode. Yeah. I went and sought that you. out. And I got news for you. As, as, yep. as much fun as everybody's having in that, no one's having more fun than Lin's musical collaborator, the guy who, who helps him write it, the, he, the guy on, on the piano. He's just, oh, yeah, he's fantastic. He's smiling like it's Christmas Day and all the presents are for him. And he's lit better than Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, I don't know how that's possible, but he's got like the best lighting. I'm like, I'd be happy, too, if I had that sort of lighting where I walked around. And, you know, and I you know, dressed for the occasion. But, you know, that's absolutely uh, outstanding. And um, as a result, we had a very good response to the fact where actually the Hamilton episode is our most downloaded episode ever, which was uh, – um, I mean, it's, it's nice to see. I think we went through the trouble of, of a 24-hour challenge sort of on it. It's nice that people it's responded intense. well to it. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, um, yeah. we kind of have a three-horse race. We have new Disney. Well, we have classic Disney in the form of Alice in Wonderland. We have new Disney in the form of Frozen. And then we have, you know, the kind of extras that Disney Plus can bring you in. Hamilton. Um, oh, Disney, new Disney, and Disney? Disney? <laughs> Dizzy? <laughs> Um, Disney. Disney. So um, we've got uh, – so that's not, So I think it's important at this point maybe to do a couple of uh, Andrew Oshevsky memorial shout-outs of the week. Uh, is there anybody who needs to get a shout-out? Um, Absolutely. Who's that? Deborah Healy did a fantastic shout-out for us on Facebook, so I think it's only fair that we return the favour. 
um she really enjoyed our hamilton episode and uh, <laughs> was uh is this singing our praises is this the, very lovely is this the lady who um so that she was planning on listening to, you know, saw three hours and went, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And then sort of went, well, I'll, I'll sort of dip in and kind of see, see what, what, it's like. what it's like. And then found herself like trying to find more chores so she didn't have to like stop the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you very much. That's about Deborah. as, that's about as good of a review as you can get. Isn't it, it is. Isn't On it? that <laughs> note, if you wanted to leave us a review, you could do that by taking two seconds right now as you listen to our introductory blurb. And you could, if you're using an iPhone, you could quite easily bring us up on Apple Podcasts and just drop us the star rating of your choice. And if you're stuck, I hear five five is a good number. It's got kind of a nice (laughs) feel to it. And if you have a couple of minutes and you wanted to go ahead and uh, throw some virtual ink on some virtual parchment and sort of scribble your thoughts down. Which it's, it's all those fancy ways of saying tap away at that, at, at that you know, touchpad uh, keyboard you've got. And just sort of say, oh, that's Georgia doing the, the, the tapping, I guess. I was yeah, like, I what was, is I going wrong? Ro- being a Foley artist. I was going, what has gone wrong with the audio? Ethan's mic's <laughs> acting up again. <laughs> and uh, if you want to go ahead and so drop us wonderful. a review, that would be great. On that flip side, a couple of podcasts who've done some uh, reaching out or things of that nature. Not so much a podcast, but a YouTube channel reached out and was retweeting a bunch of our Ooh. stuff. Um, I couldn't figure out if uh, the, the YouTube channel's name Sydney Crane, although the... Um, um, the Twitter account's under Lissa Crane. Either way, um, kind of d- does a bunch of snapshots from live inside one of the parks, and it's just kind of for 30-second to a minute hits of what the experience is like in the park. And for someone like myself, who really hasn't been to the parks for any amount of time, I did four hours once 20 years ago, um, that sort of side of what's it like to eat at, at, at the park or what's it like to go to the specific, what's it like to go to a show at a park, these aren't things that I'm familiar with at all. So I really enjoyed spending 15 minutes just going through some of the videos there. And if you're at all interested, if you go to our Twitter page, I have tweeted out a link to that channel. So uh, why not go ahead? And also a big shout out to our friends at the Drink Drunk Dead podcast. Something you might not think would have a natural turnover with um, with like a Disney theme podcast like ourselves, but they do a lot of stuff into the paranormal, and they've been just shouting our praises to anybody who's looking for podcast recommendations. They go, if you're into Disney, you gotta listen to Talking the Mickey. So we appreciate that, and want to say if you're if supernatural, paranormal, a little bit spooky kind of is your thing, they do an excellent job over there. So go ahead and give them a listen. And then finally, before we dive in fully, it's really interesting, Georgia. We um. On the, our other podcast, Best Film Ever, which you can mm. find wherever you find fine podcasts everywhere, we actually got into a conversation about one of the actors, one Mr. Jude Law. Yes. And we, we had a quick discussion, which you can still engage with. If you find the, the Twitter page at Best Film Ever, maybe we'll retweet it out from the Talking the Mickey account, where we argued who is better looking, Jude Law in his sort of 15 years ago, sort of the height of his youth prime, all that stuff, or Benedict Cumberbatch at kind of the height of his... Because I argue that Jude Law was a better-looking version of Benedict Cumberbatch, and we have a f- poll going on about that. <laughs> I do have to admit that a couple of Benedict Cumberbatch fan groups have started to like retweet the poll, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure the results will be uh, the most balanced well, that I had hoped for, but I do it, appreciate the engagement. If it helps, I have scheduled it to come out on Facebook tomorrow. Okay, so, so we can see if there's any more balance that. But... It's really weird how timing works sometimes in the universe because they have announced for the live action Peter Pan film 
who will be playing Captain Hook? None other than Mr. Jude Law. Excellent. I did see that today. Isn't yes, that, I saw that on bizarre Facebook. That's how exciting. that works? So Jude- I just voted for Jude Law on the Twitter. I think he's better. Cumberbatch <laughs> kind of looks like an otter. See, this is my argument, is that Jude Law is the better looking man. Although right I now, my, as Hamilton would say, history, history, I'm on the wrong side of history on this one. I'm, I'm not, you know, history has its eyes. Right now, it, it's slightly leaning towards um, Benedict Cumberbatch, which actually, Ethan, you and I have a uh, have a history in a show together where Benedict Cumberbatch was a bit of a was, 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 was a bit of a punchline oh, throughout. It's really hard for me not to slide into that sort of um, phrasing. <laughs> so, um, but that got me thinking. Okay, so we know that much. Just really quickly, Peter Pan casting. If you had your choice, well, maybe it's a bit more of a roundtable and less is like bring your, your, your full lists. But is there anybody who can talk me off of Tom Holland as Peter Pan? No, because that'd be amazing. Wouldn't it be um, great? Yeah, no, he's, straight he's up. He's just at the like the last bit where you could cast him, like age wise. He's like, a gymnast as well. He's, he's a gymnast. Stunts. He'd, be He'd look great. really cool flying. Can you yeah, imagine the scene with? That. Can you imagine the scene with him and a CGI shadow? But like with all the stuff he's able to do, that'd be so cool. Yeah. So yeah, so him, and I think he'd play well off Jude Law because he's short and Jude Law's so tall. I think you could sort of have that disparity mm-hmm. quite well. So then it's just, well, who are the other? I mean, really, who do you get as Tinkerbell in today's day and age? The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> um, I'm just trying I'm to think sure about I'm sure he would Smee. as well. That's, be- that's hilarious. You see, I'm- oh, who, who, who was, um, who is Wormtail in Harry Potter? Him. Uh, he he's the he's like the the evil conniving henchman in Enchanted, and he. Oh yeah, I know who he means. Yeah, yeah he no idea who is Smee. I think. Okay, he's a bit too old, isn't he? Smee's pretty old. Smee's pretty old. I mean, the, the, the he's benefit, folding and receding. The benefit of this is you can kind of go, um, you can go a bit older to to exaggerate the differences between them. You don't want like twenty five year olds True. as yeah. the pirates. You need a clear distinction between children and grown ups, and grown ups with the duality, which I would want. I would want. I, I really hope that um, Jude Law is both um, Captain Hook and Mister Darling. As is the tradition on stage. Yeah, that would be good. I hope so. So if you're going to do that, you need that clear, like, sort of dad age for all your sailors, yeah. minimum. Minimum. I mean, ideally, I mean, if you've ever seen the actual film Hook, I mean, Bob Hoskins was perfect as me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, who, who's that kind of actor? Not like you're trying to find someone to do a Bob Hoskins impression, but who carries that off? Like, I mean, if you know me, you know, I just love... If there's a goofy sidekick character, I just want to put Ty Burrow in it every time. Who's still Dunphy <laughs> on uh, Modern mm-hmm. Family? I kind of—he's not like a, a fat Smee, but he could really be that kind of dim-witted kind of Smee. I think if you went for it like that. But I'm really struggling with who plays Tinkerbell besides The Rock. <laughs> I, I have. I it'd be quite fun in today's day and age to put a drag queen as Tinkerbell. Oh. But like one that looks really, really feminine, like a femme drag queen, would be very fun to have as Tinkerbell. I do hear what you're saying. I mean, but if we're going to go that way, why don't you just go ahead? I'll go all the way and do like something really ridiculous, like Terry Crews or something. Well, we've already suggested The Rock. I was just yeah. going with it. I was going along with that. Like, I mean, who else could you? I mean, but I hear you. But I do like the idea. There's a theory. There's a theory, and we've sort of expressed this, I think, in some capacity, where Tinkerbell and Tiger Lily, and that's an interesting question. How do you do? Do you just not do Tiger Lily? And I was that side? Ask, would they 
would they do that whole song about uh, what makes the red skin red? I don't even know. That's well, actually, that's a, uh, right now there's an American football team called the Washington Redskins, and it's pretty oh, yeah. much been determined that name will not make it to the 2020 season, and the 2020 season is like a month away. <laughs> but oh, the wow. owner is determined he will not change the name. So I, I, I almost think you almost have to. I don't know what you do, but I don't know how you incorporate the Aboriginals into the storyline at all anymore. You probably, I guess the is the I'm uh, not the easiest, but the it would be difficult. But the best way to do it, if you want it in at all, would be to speak to um, members of genuine Aboriginal tribes and see how they would want to be portrayed in it if they did at all, and then cast mm. actors from their I, I like from the, their culture. I like the idea of a partnership. I was going to say, worst case scenario, if you really need someone, I'd say Auli Lee Cravalio, because she's, um, okay. she is Hawaiian and she's like, she is Polynesian, so like, we kind of work, but still not. Well, the theory. If you wanted to give it a more modern ish spin. Okay. And the interesting part is, because the theory about the representation of femininity and sexuality, we talked about this a little bit in the Tinkerbell episode, is mm. the idea that, um, Tiger Lily and Wendy, not Wendy, Tiger Lily and Tinkerbell represent the women who you kind of sleep with. Whereas Wendy represents the kind of Victorian ideal or Edwardian ideal for the girl you marry. So as a result, the, the, the two girls are heavily sexualized, Tiger Lily and Tinkerbell. And Wendy is very much the opposite. Wendy's mm-hmm. just all maternal and, um, you know, a dutiful wife kind of perspective. Whereas the other ones are a bit more um, short-tempered but passionate, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Suarez Ronan, Ronan as uh, Wendy, I'm thinking. I was what? literally Sir- just thinking that. What, Sir- Saoirse Ronan? Saoirse Ronan? <laughs> yeah. We actually just did Grand Budapest Hotel, so we all learned how to say Saoirse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally I, I, just had that thought. As Wendy, actually, that's really interesting, and I'm not going to... I was I was thinking Hayley Steinfeld, and I went, eh, maybe maybe not after what you just said about sort of the, the homely sort of what do you, wife thing. What do you do with Tinkerbell, though? Taylor Swift. Oh jeez! <laughs> I, w- I want to throw Please in no. for Smee for Smee. Yep. John John Mulaney. I think he oh. could very easily play that whole kind of bumbling, doodling, maybe a bit younger. Okay. But I still think he could play that because he, he, he's very he's very gangly and awkward. He has a touch. Uh, what about Steve Carell? <laughs> I mean, oh, really, this is I, me, this is me just yeah. going Ty Burrell types. I mean, he's not too far removed, but he's a little bit older. I just, uh, I just watched Space Force. I think he could. Yeah. he could. He could do that, especially possibly. as he's now like he's aging, but he's like gracefully mm. aging. So if you keep that silver yeah. sort of hair look, but like really ridiculous him up with the pirate suit, almost like Michael Scott in those ridiculous costumes, I think well, it's a nice marriage. Throwing another Space Force alum, John Malkovich, maybe as as Smee. Yeah, I think he could kind of do that in between, between like bumbling and knowing what he's doing. More okay. like a I, Uncle Iroh type from uh, Avatar, but still being a complete goof. Excellent. Well, I think we've kind of kicked the, the ball around the court for a while, and we're still left without really a Taylor Swift, but a Taylor Swift. We've had a Tinkerbell. <laughs> 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 <It's catching. laughs> maybe, maybe I've gone ahead and made my decision, but maybe if you've got an idea for who, who would make a good Tinkerbell, maybe I'll throw that up on the... Uh, Georgia, <laughs> didn't you cast yourself in something? We did Hercules. You wanted to be Meg, didn't yep. you? <laughs> but if you've got an idea out there, maybe of who should play Tinkerbell in a in a remake, go ahead and hit us up on the socials, Georgia. What would those socials be? They would be at Talking the Mickey on both Instagram and Facebook, and at Talk the Mickey on Twitter. 
feel free to let the audience know that a drag queen as Tinkerbell would be great, especially a fishy one such as Courtney Act, if anyone knows what that means if they're listening. Um, and also me as uh, Wendy. That would be that'd be wonderful. Oh, Thanks, so especially Wendy. for okay. Tom, Tom Holland. Tinkerbell, yeah. okay. Oh, I'd do, both. I'd do either, but okay. come on. Right, and let's go ahead then and let's segue into... Um, Frozen 2. And of course, episode 1 was Frozen 1. And Ethan, after the phenomenal success of Frozen 1, uh, then Disney CEO Bob Iger was asked about a sequel and said, well, we're not going to force our way into any storytelling. And I kind of went, aren't you now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In November 2014, Christopher Buck and Jennifer Lee, who were the two directors of Frozen 1, had decided they weren't ready to leave Arendelle behind. I'm guessing what they meant was the Brinks truck full of money that get dropped off at their, <laughs> on their respective lawns. They weren't ready to leave that behind. Um, they realized they had the ending figured out, where they wanted to finish. And then the question was, well, how do we get there? And it's like some sort of a fever dream occurred, and we find our way to an end. Like, is this the organic, like, finishing point if you go i know we, we left frozen one i know where i want to leave frozen two this is clearly the only logical storyline that gets us here <laughs> see the thing is the ending of this the might like, i'm skipping forward to the end like you said i would um my biggest gripe with this is how quickly it ends so i, I don't think they did figure it out very well <laughs> my honestly, biggest gripe but... might be how long it took to get to the ending that was too quick to end it reminds me of the ending of another Disney film that came out that year. Oh, let's get to it's that. Like, it's like the exact same. Okay, we'll talk on that when we get to that mm. point. Uh, Frozen 2 underwent significant revisions after its first test screening in San Diego. Wow, well, Disney- I can't imagine that. The Disney animated team discovered that adults liked the film, but children found it hard to follow. And maybe I truly have a child spirit. Um, and so they made some changes. So one of them was they needed to make the, the voice's owner more obvious. They decided to include more shots of Brunei, the salamander, and uh, Olaf's recap was all were all things that were put into the film afterwards because you it what, did I didn't not need test that. well. Um, yeah, I would. We'll definitely talk about that scene. I think at some length. <laughs> oh, I got, I got some strong words. Disney partnered with over 140 brands worldwide to promote Frozen Two, the highest more than any other Disney animated film. And as far as a business decision went. Uh, paid off. It's got the highest opening weekend of any Disney animated film at $1.45 billion. Oh, uh, it was the third highest total of that year, and it's the 10th highest grossing film all time as of date of recording. <laughs> wow. And it's, only, it's the second highest animated grossing film of all time. My question is, can you guys figure out what's number one? The first one? No, nope, not the first one. The highest grossing animated highest grossing animated um, film of all time and it's not shrek the fourth why do i feel Damn like something it. stupid like minions or something no nah, it's nothing is it stupid minions like minions too? no <laughs> it is something that would make sense on this podcast oh um, toy story 4 no finding dory too wait finding dory right <laughs> no it's not finding dory or toy story 4 it's story actually 3? no it's not a pixar film it is a, it is a disney film as in hmm. solely disney disney animated studios Mm. Kind of, kind of the same as it is. It is the remake of The Lion King. 
No, no I want to I, cry. I would not. No. Well, the good news is, if it was the Disney animated, if it was the remake of The Lion King, you wouldn't be able to animate the tears anyway because your face would be all unemotive. <laughs> oh God, I hate that film for so many reasons. Uh, Simba in in the 2018, 2019 version of The Lion King is like Kristen Stewart in all her movies. <laughs> it's the same face when she's happy and sad and crying oh, and happy so. and angry and just the same face. To be fair, I don't even recognize the live action. Lion King as a like Disney animation because it just I mean they did a great job making them look like real lions yeah. but they did too good of a job making them look like real but, lions because they don't look but the animated pro- but the problem anymore. is because it made so much money you know that we're, we're getting so many more of these I still think the Lion King only exists the only reason John Favreau did it was because he wanted to do the Mandalorian and Disney went ah ah ah, ah before you can do the thing you want to do make <laughs> the money for us. Well, isn't that kind of what the story was with Treasure Planet? Those two directors, how many other yeah. films were they made to make before they could make their vision? I mean, like, granted, cool. it seems like they were right though. This Disney were right mm. because Treasure Planet really wasn't the film commercially, but the others mm. were. Uh, and then finally, I just want to say um, it was only it was not the traditional Disney success story critically. Um, and at the Oscars, it, the only thing it was nominated for was Best Original Song. And the question is, what song might that be? And we'll sort of go through them and see. I hope it's not what I think it is. Me. It's so, Michael Scott singing is what it is. So uh, we've got more. So we start the film off and we've got more sort of Lion King of the North kind of Circle of Life-esque. And I think this was, Ethan, you said you watched the whole canon of Frozen today. Yes, so I haven't seen Frozen uh, in years, and if anyone remembers, I wasn't on the original podcast, so I went, hey, you know what I'm going to do, since I seem to like challenging myself for no reason, I'm going to watch everything in Frozen, so Frozen 1, then Frozen Fever, then Frozo, Frozen Olaf's whatever adventure, and then the Lego series, which is absolutely terrible, don't watch it, it's, it's, it's dumb, but no, um, everything is the same, Frozen 1 is the exact same as Frozen 2 at points. And I don't like Frozen, though. No, it has that same... I mean, g- God bless you, I guess, for doing that and stuff. To be fair, we didn't ask you to do that. No one does. Uh, I just do this because I hate myself, I think. I was going to watch that documentary series instead for Context Corner, but I went, nah, Actually, this, will be more, this will be more painful. I do kind of appreciate the fact you went back and watched Frozen 1. Is it the same sort of chanting at the start of Frozen 1 as it was at Frozen 2, where it's almost like the circle of life? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly a bit the more same. Upbeat. It, it felt a bit more upbeat, I thought. True, um, but at I, least it's but, yeah. but it's it's the same sort of style though. It's that, yeah. I have a tally list of things that happen in Frozen One's plot that happen in Frozen Two's plot. Cool. And I, I I will tell you each time because it's a it's a weirdly long list. Well let's <laughs> jump into that because right at the start we have let's go back <laughs> and do a flashback because that's kind of what we do here. And there's yeah. and there is a refrain of do you want to build a snowman in the background as yeah. we begin. And we kind of have sort of some retreads of uh or some frost, I don't know, shadowing, but some memories of, what is, is his name, Marshmallow? Snow shadowing? Snow shadowing. Snow shadowing. Of, yeah. like, of like Marshmallow, the giant like ice monster, as well as like little Olafs and how they're going to sort of show back up. And yeah. um, then we've got someone we think is Olaf, but it's not Olaf. It's, it's them kind of creating this, this thing with their heads. And the dead parents are back. And so is the snow monster. And the funny thing is, when it ends, the prince and the princess, who have been made by um, Elsa's kind of ice magic, they start kind of kissing. 
and actually it's interesting elsa hates the kissing anna mm. doesn't and i was like okay that's interesting for a franchise is going to be so dependent on the idea that we're not going to partner Elsa up from very, very early on. We're going, this is not the journey for that character. And I, I, I appreciated that. I was like, all right, cool enough. Um, whereas Anna is kind of a slightly more boy crazy of... Just wants the, everyone to get married. Yeah. And this is where dead mom and dead dad come in, and we decide we're going to tell a story. Because for tonight of all nights, why not? What should we do? Let's tell them a really scary story right before they go to bed. They are talking about enchanted forests, I think is the idea, isn't it? Okay, so you couldn't, like, I don't know, I'm not a parent, but I'm thinking, maybe the bit where you're like, the enchanted forest might wake up and get you, maybe that's not what you say right before they go to bed. probably not a bedtime story. No, in the morning. No, maybe you just cut that bit, like, for the younger one, or, I don't know. Alfred Molina was wasted on this film. Now, who is Alfred Molina, or Alfred Molina, or whatever his name uh, is pronounced? He was, um, he's the guy at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark who goes into the temple with Indy, and he also plays Dr. Octopus in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Oh, he's Doc Ock. Yeah. Okay, yeah, respect for that. He's excellent in that. Okay. Um, He's the so long has Pharaoh guy at the beginning of Raiders. And this has, this this scene has something that's problematic with a lot of sequels, where you introduce, it's almost like, I'm going to call it the Captain Marvel effect. Ooh. where like we didn't need to know this in frozen one like this story had to be independent of what was going on at no point during frozen one with the idea there was this enchanted forest or there were these peoples or or there was this none of this information could have been called in just like in captain marvel it's like you know when were we fought ultron that might not have been a bad time for Captain Marvel to show up then, too. Like, what's with the slow trigger finger on calling out? Because when you establish her, and you establish her as being around since the 90s, it's going, okay, maybe she should have been in every skirmish that they've, the Avengers have ever had. And it's kind of like this, where you're going, how are these characters and in, in sequences not important in Frozen 1? I think the only given for this is the fact that they haven't, like it has a truer point doesn't it it has the the strange singing that elsa hears and obviously she, you don't get that until this point so that's kind of okay and they obviously have known about it from the beginning because we're told that but at this point they just think it's a story until elsa starts going psychotic so which time yeah <laughs> i think it's i think it's allowed in this one because i mean it's just a bit it's a bit shoehorn stuff isn't it but that's my, that's my um, issue is, is more just like everything when it comes to a sequel the question i'm going to ask is was this film necessary no <laughs> no okay. other than for a cash grab so i the- i was going to say there are some films you know when you see a film and you just feel like you you feel like it's a sequel you don't feel like it's a continuation like you feel like you're revisiting a character yeah just for the sake of it this is what this film feels like. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just that feeling you get where it's just, oh, cool, we're back. We're seeing this again, I guess. Yeah. It's like a friend's reunion. And so, well, you know, we, we don't know. Um, <laughs> HBO Max coming to you sometime in 2021. Um, we find out the, there's a flashback and there's a story. I want to make sure you get the names right. There's the story of the people of Arendelle and the people of Northoldra. Northoldra. Yeah. Northoldra. And uh, the king of Arendelle, which is Elsa and Anna's grandfather, uh, has built them a dam in peace. They meet together. And this is all told from the perspective of um, Elsa and Anna's father uh, from his childhood memories. He must be, what, 11 at this point, maybe? I think mm-hmm. he said he was 14. 14? Okay, he's a very yeah. young 14. Um, mm-hmm. And we hear, we were charmed. 
we let down our guard. And I was thinking, this just describes how I feel about why I've turned this film on. I feel like you <laughs> charmed me. I let down my guard, and now something's double-crossed me, because this is, I feel like I've been attacked here. Um, and because we follow, of our psychic distance, we follow the future king, the, the 14-year-old version, um, we don't know what, what, what happened. We just know what a fight breaks out. And fades are fades, and the spirits are angry, and the spirits kind of shut out everybody in the forest. With a powerful mist. With a powerful mist. And uh, Anna and Elsa's father is thrown um, by the power of the spirits. And he knocks his head on a rock. And I thought that was a really nice callback, actually, to what happens with Anna throughout Frozen 1. It's all right. How did... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, I Can we was go just, back to a better thing now? <laughs> I was just, it, what it is, is I was literally just looking on Facebook for like on the podcast groups and someone has posted a link to Hamilton Act 1, but it's the Muppets. Oh, okay. And I was just saving it for later. You are now obligated <laughs> to do some sort of a Hamilton introductory rap about, uh, about Anna and Elsa's father. I mean, we can how keep did how did as a bastard <laughs> off with for Elsa, so, you know. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're bastards. Uh, that's quite... I, I think everything's implicit that, that, that they were married when they had the two children. Yeah, um, who knows? They, she saved him. We don't know that we don't know. from well, young. Uh, and there is a mystery saving person. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> and the forest is locked out. The forest is closed, much like Poland in our Best Film Ever review. The forest is now closed. And at one point, Anna goes, little girl Anna goes, that's epic. And I went, oh, that's going to age poorly. Oh, <laughs> it, already, it already has. Yeah. And so we're warned the forest could wake again. And I'm going, why is this? Why tell the kid this right before bed? And then we get told, Atahalo is the only one who knows this or something like that. And I'm going, wait, what? And then the mother was the one who said that a father that's enough let's let him go to bed dad leaves and then mum decides you know what this needs like a whole another hour of exposition with these kids by myself I I checked the time it's like five six minutes in of just exposition this is br- like how much of this movie is just you know let's just talk our way through things that happen we're not just gonna have plot forget that let's just have characters tell each other stuff has happened <laughs> and the, the, re- the most disappointing thing about this is you should be like showing not talking but they do so much talking and not enough showing but the showing that they do do is it's absolutely gorgeous parts of this film are phenomenally animated and there's not enough of it and it's really upsetting because most of it is just the characters talking to each other when they show us that they've got these amazing effects that they just use once in the film and then forget about i would agree that it's that it's some beautiful animation i would argue that beautiful animation is very rarely if ever purposeful just it, it looks beautiful, but it doesn't actually no, carry of, any some weight. Some of it is. Some of it is. Yeah, uh, like the some of the magic and stuff is obviously purposeful. But uh, is it? Well, yeah, because that's kind of what the story's about, isn't it? Unfortunately, is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then we have our first song. I think it's the North Wind meets the Sea. I think is what the I have. North Nathaldra song or whatever they yeah. call it, isn't it? It's yeah. when it's mum singing lullaby and. Anna goes from, I'm never sleeping again, to like asleep in moments. And I'm going, does this mom have Mary Poppins singing powers? Now, knowing no. what we find out later, maybe. <laughs> maybe Mary did... Poppins is 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 a Northodrian. <laughs> <laughs> I did really appreciate this, though, from a uh, early years perspective. That whole rubbing a finger down a child's no- bridge of their nose 
works. If you need to send a baby to sleep, you do that because it forces them to shut their eyes enough until they fall asleep, which is exactly what happens in the film. And I really appreciate that because that is that is accurate. That does work. We also know that Anna really likes to to sleep from the first film. Yeah. And then as that happens, um, we have a moment, a nice scene between the mother, whose name I don't even remember. And in Inu Enuda in Inu. Inu, Inu, Inu. Is she, All I know is she is played she... by Evan? Yeah, yeah. Who's she played she by? Is. Evan, is it, is it Ev- Evan Rachel Cook? Evan Rachel, Evan, yeah, Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, Dolores is she, is... from Westworld. Iduna. Oh my word, is it really a Dolores from Westworld? Yeah. These violent, I... these violent delights have violent ends? Yeah. Excellent. Well, so much for that. Um, I got the question now, is this, is this scene impactful? Ish. It's used once, twice again, but like, I I don't know. I think if we had something, if the parents had a bit more of an impactful thing in the first film, maybe. But it just felt they went, yeah, we need the parents nice. again because we it's need. It's nice to excuse. see. It's nice to see Elsa have that relationship with her parents because you never got that in the first one, and then it gives it a bit more of a pull when because obviously we know that they die, but that would have been more effective that scene being used in the first film. I agree, and that, with more stakes to their death. And that's my question because we know she dies. It can go one of two ways. This can be more impactful because we know they're going to die, or it can be less impactful because we go, well, they're going to die, and it feels a little bit manipulative. I think I'm on the, the latter side of this. I think I'm going. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. I know they die. Yeah. You're trying to make yeah. me care about this, and it's not really there. Yeah, I found it impactful when she sang in the lullaby that if you go too deep, you'll drown. That was pretty dramatic. Okay. I agree, yep. And then we go from that into the Northern Lights and the title card, and then an Arendelle tourism video through time. Because we get this lovely, like, swooping shot back into Arendelle, and Elsa is getting ready for Something. something. I don't we, even yeah, know what it was. We don't know. Okay. Royal engagement. Family game well, night. It's not, it's not a family. It's, it's not a royal engagement because the because one one half of the engagement doesn't know what it's happening. Oh no! Wait, it's, in it's fact, the, we don't know what's happening. It's the Easter, yet. I didn't not mean Easter. An harvest like fest a proposal. thing. I mean, oh. an engagement as in a. a it's like a harvest fest thing. thing. Before, like, before you get all like, I don't mean. I mean, the, in, the word engagement actually has meaning in this film, though, does yes, it not? The words royal engagement don't. Really? Because the, the princess is going to be engaged. That would be a, a royal, royal engagement. engagement is like a thing that you do in your royal duties. Easy Julie Andrews and Princess Diaries 1 and 2. Just just sh- hush now. <laughs> oh, That's that, a film that we've got to do on here. I know it does. I, know it does. <laughs> I, I, I have said too much. Uh, so, and then we hear the first, like, I don't remember how it goes, but it's like, ah. <laughs> now, here's my question. If any of us heard something outside, you wouldn't look at the person next to you and go, did you hear that? Because you'd assume, yes. You might yes, go, they did. you might go, what was that? Yeah. And then he goes, what are you talking about? Have her go, mm-hmm. oh, you didn't hear that. And then that happened organically. But this is what this film does wrong every step of the way. It just goes, I'm going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to show you this. I'm going to tell you this. And so we find out it's the, did you hear that cliche? And, uh, Okay. And then we cut to Olaf, and Olaf is troubled by a falling maple leaf. Oh my god, I have to say, I don't like Olaf in the first film. <laughs> I don't know why. I kind of found him entertaining in this. Maybe because he just said, like, real stupid, like, fake, deep things. Like, 
change mocks us with her beauty and just things like you ever think about uh like advanced technologies as both our savior and our doom it's so stupid and out of place and i kind of really like it i'm starting to wonder ethan if you are the olaf of this podcast Probably. <laughs> you just say these really quippy, quirky things. You're like, <laughs> where did that come from? And then he'll be quiet for a while. And then he's going to come back with some more. And I'm just like, all right. Uh, I've stood up about halfway through all of this as well. So, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's act two, time for Ethan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, change mocks us with her beauty. And I've just got my notes. Have I mentioned that I hate Olaf? Have I mentioned this? Yes. And then we get the idea of the song, Some Things Never Change. And I'm like... <sighs> is this movie not like hitting us over the head it'd be like if you had a song in frozen one that said it's never gonna snow <laughs> <laughs> like some things never change you may as well have them go but they're gonna <laughs> so, um and but so wait 20 minutes yeah and then anna, anna sings we're getting older and i'm like shut up anna you are like 20 max I think you do not know 20, about aging. 20, 20, 21? Okay. Something like that. I think Anna's, uh, Elsa's 24. Okay. So clearly in Arendelle, at 20, you have peaked. 21, you're on the downside already. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay. Here's my question. We established in the Frozen 1 that Olaf is protected via his sort of permafrost, right? Yes. Yeah. We see Anna pick him up and carry him around. Just because he's protected doesn't mean he's warm and cuddly. Do you know what I mean? So shouldn't Anna be getting, like, frostbite from carrying the snowman around? Magic. Yes, absolutely. But he likes warm hugs. He likes warm hugs. Doesn't mean that she's conditioned. Doesn't mean that she likes cold, frozen ones. Stupid. Um, And so we go from that. And then we have King George talking to his reindeer. (laughs) And I'm going, yeah, he's not mad, is he? Um, he Just as crazy. Exactly. And he sings uh, King George, of course, being, um, what was the guy's name, Ethan? Uh, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff, who we just talked about last week. Really funny how it's back to back with uh, Hamilton. So now playing Kristoff. A slight downgrade. uh, Can we we just have this conversation now? Did this film have any clue what to do with Kristoff? No, it gave him a really pretty did. entertaining song. It gave him, okay, but hmm. it gave him, entertaining for the right reason. But what's his character here? You want to marry the girl? Anything else? No, just keep trying to do that, would you, bro? Okay, that's literally all he did. And then yeah. for like a twenty-five minute segment, it's like, no, you just stay there. He gets. <laughs> you can come back he, for the third. He has act. the that that I, I can't remember which episode I was talking about. It was one of the more recent ones. What I really, really hate when they do that misconstrued thing. And Anna hears from, you know, Olaf that he's gone somewhere and he hears, um, and he hears, like, likewise. Yeah, it's got to be the Princess and the Frog, right? Yeah, and it's At just, it's, yeah, it's so, it's just so annoying because it's so unnecessary. It's, and I think you could have avoided a lot of it. Off. Like, you don't yeah. even have them have an argument or anything because they won't because it's children's film and they want to keep it as happy, go yeah. lucky as they can. But, like, it's not. There's no payoff for the mishearings like the and things. It's just, oh no, no, no! I'm just an awkward, quirky guy trying to make, trying to, trying to get down on one knee for you. Yeah. And it happens like six times. And I'm like, no! From the first time it happened, I went, oh god, this is going to be a running theme, isn't it? And lo and behold, it was. And that was all his character does, other than have some sort of throwback '90s boy band moment halfway it's, through. It's further back than that. It's guilty of uh, a couple of things at the same time here, and one of them being it's guilty of. Oh, I've just lost it now because I've heard of the boy band thing. 
Sorry. No, it's okay. It's guilty of the first thing. They didn't really know what to do with Kristoff in general. Mm. But it's guilty of the second part, which was they didn't show us he was going to be bad at doing proposals. They told us he was going to be bad at doing proposals by having him say it to the the stinking reindeer. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, Sven, I'll leave this to you because you're good at this. And I'm like, how are you aware that you're good or not good at proposing unless this is like his fifth time around doing this? A good Maybe comparison. It is. is it like his like CV? You know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Bad at proposing. <laughs> a good comparison is um, the Tangled sequel series, uh, Tangled Ever After. In the beginning of that, the whole thing of Flynn Rider's character is that he wants to propose to Rapunzel and do all this, but that's not just his character. He has other parts to him throughout that show. He does other things, but yeah. for that, this is just Kristoff's character. And I like the message at the end of My Love's Not Fragile, but like. It's, that's that's all it is. Give, give me something else. Give 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 him some more rather than just I'm not I'm not you know fragile about shit in the world. Georgia, just just wanted to tangent off of Ethan's. Uh, that's not the only thing Tangled does better than Frozen. Well, okay. just dropping that for later. Okay. Um, I realized what the other thing was the the thing I said there were two things that bothered me about it, and the first thing was it's just another one of those we talked about it with Princess and the Frog a couple of weeks ago. It's just one of those rom com tropes in general. It's just another one of those things. Mm-hmm. So the miscommunication, but also the whole, okay, here's my one setup, and we're going to live with him and watch it go terribly wrong. Um, Then we have, I mean, it's a fun little scene, charades, where things get a bit meta. I forget what Olaf said, but it was something that was a little bit... I thought you might like this uh, scene, actually, because Anna's uh, doing the charade for villain. Yeah. And uh, one of them guesses Hans, and I thought that was quite clear, that they're saying that Hans definitely is the villain in the first film, not love. Well, no, he is, but I mean, the, the problem I think was, uh, unlike this film, where they told us Hans was a villain in the first eight minutes, uh, they waited a while. And I get, like, I get the plot twists need to be plot twists. Something this film is not unguilty of, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, <sighs> when I watched Frozen today, before this, I actually kind of liked the Hans thing. You see it more when you realize it, but like... <sighs> I don't know. I think I might just have Stockholm Syndrome from no, no, Frozen. I, I think you're right. I think there's films that you do appreciate more of a second time, but in order to be a good film, doesn't it need to be a worthwhile viewing bo- both times? And, and the thing is, a plot twist, I mean, even if done well, it, it shouldn't make you go, no, okay, now prove that to me. I need to, you know, it's, yeah. the twist is hard because you have to simultaneously go, I didn't see that coming, but also feel that it's justified in the first yeah. viewing because you're not necessarily going to watch every film twice. Ooh. But such is. Now, Elsa is distracted. Because she hears the siren call again. And I'm very proud that I was writing the word siren down in my notes before the film brought it up. I was like, giddy up. (laughs) But my question is, why wouldn't she tell Anna about what she hears? Isn't this literally the theme of the whole first film? Yeah, because she hasn't heard anything from Frozen 1. No, that's my issue with this. It's going, it's it's the same story beat. Okay. The thing is, though, it's not even necessary in this one. Because you can still have Anna know and still have the rest of the story happen. Yes. That, that it doesn't matter that she doesn't know in that first bit that has no stakes whatsoever. Yeah. So you still have it's your comfort. just pointless. And yeah. In the first you... film, you understand why she's shutting on her out because it's to protect her. But here, there's absolutely no reason for it, and it just makes her unlikable. And it gets rid of the journey she was supposed to go on in the first film, which is we're sisters. We need to love each other and tell each other everything. Yeah. And mm. then that until someone starts singing at me, then I'm going to forget all that. Ethan, like you can still have your whole conflict that Anna and Elsa have, which is. Don't lock me out again. Don't go off and do something. But it, it's just really poorly done. And I, now I understand why I had so many rewrites. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, for the record, I didn't mention this. Uh, although Jennifer Lee was the wrote the screenplay, the story was five different writers. Oh, and I think oh so wow! I, oh, that makes sense. I think this speaks to the number of rewrites. I'm just going clearly too many too many cooks in the kitchen on this one. Um, when when you're hearkening so much on East, like references to your previous films, it and to the point where it gets tiring. It it you haven't written a, a, a consistent story. Agreed. And so on the consistency of a story, we then continue and um, we find out that Elsa wears a certain scarf when she's worried. I guess a scarf she didn't wear in Frozen 1, but has discovered since the start of Frozen 2 that the scarf exists. And rather than go have a nice moment where we clearly focus on Mother's scarf in the flashback and then see her wearing it and then have her maybe have a glimpse. And go, we, no, instead we get Anna going. Oh, you're wearing mother's scarf. That means you're worried. What do you mean? You always wear that scarf when you're worried. And I'm like, okay. I didn't mind that bit, actually. I hated it. I, I also said that if, 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 if <laughs> I also had, I also had a, my, like, if you've got a, um, if you have a scarf that you only wear during certain emotions, she should never play poker because whenever she's like a bad hand, <laughs> she'd go, where's my scarf? And you'd be like, okay. Here's the thing. The issue with it is, obviously, they don't have the scarf in the first one, so it can't have been that significant because exactly. otherwise, oh, she's just found it. But you could have had it been the gloves she wears on her coronation. Like, yeah, or yeah, you could. Something. Something that like that. The logo with the elements we'll just have something. And this is the problem is that... But we- they might have done. They could have had the details at the top. Like, that. that could have been... Like that could have just been an extra detail added in. That's fine. And the scarf, but a whole extra thing. The scarf is symbolic of creating merchandise. Well, merchandise, but also creating extra MacGuffins with extra meaning, with extra folklore behind it. If anything, it's very Thor Ragnaroky, where it's like, remember, you know, all the characters we built up in, in Thor number one. We're going to change them all in Thor three. Because, because we need to go somewhere new with the story. And I don't care if it's inconsistent with the first two. We need to go somewhere new with the story. And it's kind of this thing. Where, where was the scarf in the first one? Hidden in a drawer. Good enough. Let's go. Um, and so, She didn't need it when she was on her coronation day when she was worried. Because no. Because that wasn't important enough. But worrying about a siren, it definitely is. Now, I hadn't mentioned earlier, there was a big scene where they were all standing. I'm convinced this had to be a rewrite because there's no other purpose for it. They sit around the town square in some things that will never change, and they say how the flag will always fly in Arendelle. And it's like, yes, the yes. flag will always fly in Arendelle. The flag will always fly in Arendelle. And I went 20-minute timer until this flag comes down. Absolutely. We never revisit this flag ever again. We do. What are you talking about? The flag blows off in the wind when the elements first come and push them out of Arendelle. Does it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick that up. Even though it you does, were looking yeah. for it. It's I was like looking a big for thing. it. Oh, okay. Then, okay. Yeah. then prison that up because I, I, I totally missed that. Okay, I feel better about that now. Um, but also in this, we have, what would I do without you? Elsa says to Anna. Anna says, you'll always have me. And I'm going, <laughs> all right, uh, fair. It just feels like a Taylor's word. And then the sisters sing the first song again, but this time to each other. And Anna makes Elsa fall asleep. Um, Which is cute because you, uh, I did like the, I know what you're doing, like that kind of like little bit of banter that was nice i wish there was more of that rather than this because we got over that in the first film now have them be the like getting on having the bit of like sisterly banter back and forth with each other because that was nice and but there's one line of it and so they fall asleep and then elsa is woken up by the siren's call 
And she does this bit where she tries to put her head underneath a pillow like she's annoyed by it for like 60 seconds. And then she gets up. And I'm like, why? Again, why do you not tell Anna? She's right there. She would understand. Mm -hmm. And isn't the whole theme of movie one not to shut other people out? It's literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And after about 60 seconds of going, no, 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 I don't want to hear you. I don't want to listen to you. It turns into, I will follow this voice anywhere. As we get their attempt to remake Let It Go with Into the Unknown. They did uh, not. Can I say, I've never seen Frozen 2 until today. I work in retail. Yep. Um, during Christmas, my Christmas is uh, listening to three songs. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Let it go. And since last year, Into the Unknown. I hate this song because I had to listen to the Fallout Boy version. Like, for three hours. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, not, a, it's not Fallout Boy. Who, who is it? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I, don't, I, I, I won't. But, but, we, but we will leave that there. <laughs> we'll, we, we will come back to that, I promise. But this song is not good. And Adina Menzel can't belt. And it proves it at the end of the song. It's, she lost those tubes a long time ago. Does this just, it just feel? Is it just? It's just cookie cutter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the let it go song. Everything. It is, and so we've had our flashback. We've had our you know emotional sort of opening song. We've had our Elsa's big and powerful thing. Then we get a. Then we get Elsa that makes an oopsie whoopsie because we're following the same beats. Yeah, and rather than go walking into the cold because you're angry and running away from everybody else, you're running into it now in a positivity, but it's still you singing that big belty song as you go using your magic ice powers to go into the forest. I really didn't find this song to be anything like Let It Go. It just didn't have the But it's same... clear it's what the intent was. Yeah, but it, they, they didn't deliver. Yes, I, agree. I said, oh, I've got my notes. Oh, this is this film's Let It Go, except it's not. Yeah. Um, and one thing I commented, I remember when I did the first one, is I said, thank God for the visuals in that one. Because I felt that stronger than a song, the visuals that they incorporated into the scene added to it. Oh, the Let It Go sequence. like The full animation of that is, is amazing. Yeah, the, this one does not match up. This I, one is just no. Elsa doing her best Romeo and Juliet over a balcony, waking everyone up at 3 a.m. Well, like, but then she goes for a walk and it gets black. And like we get like Fantasia 2020 happening around her as she sings. <laughs> That was kind of cool, but it was cool. But it went on. It went on for too long, didn't it? Yeah, it took too long to get to it, and then it isn't just it's around for long. And the siren's voice becomes more human as she gets further towards it, until it decides that no, she's got. We still need a whole movie to happen, so we're not going to have it go that far. And then something happens, and Arendelle loses its power. Um, Anna has read my notes from the podcast so far and says, "Don't shut me out." (laughs) <laughs> basically recapping what act one was uh the, the first film was then the trolls come out and it was like we have a frozen movie so we have to have the trolls show up but they do very little all we found out is they say the truth needs to be found and all one can do is the next right thing and then anna is going oh i get it yes and then anna <laughs> anna is going to go to the enchanted forest and king troll will look after her people after the first film i was hoping king troll was going to be revealed as the villain of the piece at the end of it no! but he's not well, i was no, hoping sad, i was hoping they were going to do basically. like i was hoping they were going to like hans 2.0 here no 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 king um, troll is lovely i've got here do you know that i hate olaf i don't know why i've written that but i do oh he says um, oh is this what he's doing fun facts all his facts what you can things get out of control it's so stupid. It's like perfect for my kind of humor. I love it. I do appreciate that one of them uh, paid off and the whole water has memory. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm like, all right, fair enough. 
Uh, but then we have the Siren's Call and Discount Brave Discount Stonehenge. So Brave had their own Discount Stonehenge. And this is like a bad <laughs> copy of Brave's Discount Stonehenge. There's only four. There's only four of them, and they're not really as impressive. And yeah, if, if Brave Stonehenge was BTEC Stonehenge, this is like City and Guild Stonehenge. It's really bad. <laughs> and so Elsa is the one, who, the one who can break into this wall of mist. And there's so many point of view shots in the forest which I don't think ever get paid off. There's so many point-of-view shots from Elsa's perspective. There's some point-of-view shots from Anna's perspective. And there's a point-of-view shot from something on the ground. I guess it's supposed to be the salamander, I suppose. I think, unless um, the guard is just crawling around. (laughs) I have no idea. It's stupid. Um, Yeah, I think it's the fire spirit. We get told, thank God, the dam still stands. But then we're also told it would wipe away Arendelle. And I'm going... Is Arendelle like that poorly built? Because at one point there was a whole city there before they built the dam. Why would this it ruin it now? This is my issue with it. So why would they build? <clears throat> is Arendelle modern day? So, but we get told this is only thirty six years later. So this is a whole load of shit. Because, because the dam creates like, a tsunami type thing when it all rushes like, out it, at it, once. It collects a lot, yes. But surely you could then do some equivalent of what Anna, uh, Elsa eventually does, and that's find a way to divert the water if they're yeah, ever in her break. Yeah, you could into just like let a... the water out a bit yeah. at a time. Like, don't blow the entire dam at once, like, which, to be fair... No, the writers clearly need to visit the English canal system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kristoff isn't joking. He is bad, because he's the second time in the film now he's trying to propose. Once was after charades. Is that the third? Because we had yeah, after charades. Yeah, one of the little the road trip. Is, I think this is the is, oh my there's the road trip yes and then yeah. I don't know what the third one is he's doing here I forget uh, he's like we're all gonna die if we do die oh, then I right. wanna and then she's like we're gonna die it's like know your audience after the first three times just wait for things to be chilled for a minute because he keeps trying to force this I, it's it's a good me- metaphor for what the writers were trying to do with this film <laughs> um so where's Olaf he's in a different I thought he was in a different place for a minute because he's surrounded by fallen leaves and everybody else was surrounded by fresh leaves but it turns out no they're, 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 he's like a hundred yards away. Yeah, he's just a little bit lost. Yeah, and so we get this song. This will all make sense when I'm older. I'm not against this. This was okay. Well, this was just stretching runtime. It was it compared to some of the other songs later on. It was fine. Oh, I, this now I understand what my notes mean. I wrote, "I'm getting a Muppets Most Wanted vibe," which is the first uh, one, yeah. the first Muppets movie, the 2011 one. made Yeah, great film. Does well. Changed the sort of what the Muppets movies were. Frozen changed kind of what Disney movies sort of were in the mainstream. Sure. And this is just, we need a second Muppets Frozen this is, movie. This is formula. Yeah. This is what happens. You take yeah. something that was creatively distinct and you go, mm. now replicate it by boiling it down to a formula yeah. of what needs to happen. I will say the one positive I give Frozen 2 is all the songs are kind of different genre wise. Like, this one's very kind of yeah. kooky, funny, and I'm fine with kind of like with Muppets Most Wanted, how you have the French interrogation scene song, and you have the... Ty the, Burrell, the, I tell you. Everything's yeah, better with Ty have, Burrell on it. You have the campy Ricky Gervais French uh, Evil Kermit song, yeah. and the same kind of goes here, but it's just, it's somehow a worse Muppets Most Wanted, and don't get me wrong, I actually yeah. like Muppets Most Wanted, but this is, this is oh, I hate even worse. Does Josh Gad get a song in the first film? Yeah, yeah, he gets the summer one. Oh, he does get and it's summer. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Better than this one, well, and that's saying something. See, Ethan, I felt this was we need to give Olaf a song. Yeah, because I feel what we had here was a funny thirty-second joke that they made a three-minute song out of. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I was either just so Stockholmed into this, or I can't. <laughs> it's 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 a nice tune. It's a really catchy tune, and some of the humor. Sing in it, it for me now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking yeah, really of. Catchy. Hey, I just like the, the the little beat. But no, the jokes are fun. I like the I like how everything is just like a cluster, but. Uh. <laughs> that's kind of what I was saying the whole way through. And that's also the sound of a tornado that shows up now. So we <laughs> kind of have like a laser Floyd show happening inside the um, inside the, the, the tornado of sorts. I've got That's My Sister. I don't... Yeah, Anna, Anna shouts out, That's My Sister! Like like the people in the tornado, Kristoff and Olaf, didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Elsa uses like her super ice powers to fight off the collapsing tornado because and everyone else gets out apart everybody else gets out except for her reason. and what's left are these ice memories which is where we get the whole idea i told you water has memory and somehow they're able to pick out what their father looks like as a child when depicted in bad ice sculpture form um some prop mm. i guess and then we find out um that's Nathaldra. and I'm like, was Kristoff here for the part where they talk about the the backstory at any point? Or is no. he just sort of chipping him information that we don't know he, for sure he knows? Yeah, he probably knows it from like the troll legends or whatever, I guess. Um, um, and then we get the idea of being trapped in time where we find there in the forest, there is this gar- there's the army and there's the Nathaldra peoples. And they've been fighting for 30 years. I Great. like the guard, man. Yeah, I like the guard. What's his name? He's played by Sterling K. Knight or Sterling Mark, K. Brown. Mark, always L- L- Lieutenant Destin Mar- Matthias. Matthias? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember how it was pronounced. Matthias. Yeah, I, yeah. L- I like. I like. He was a nice bit part, but yeah, I liked him. Yeah. I, actually, I, yeah. I really did like him. Um, yeah, and I felt it was good because you have to humanize both sides. Yeah, and um, are they? Are they? I don't understand. Are they fighting a war or not? Because it seems they are like you know. A war. The the leaders seem to get on very well. It doesn't take much to get him to come to a peace, does it? Yeah, they kind of mm. just. Vi- I I thought I thought he said that they were encroaching on his dance space. Yeah, they, I'm sure he said that. Oh really? And I thought that was going to yeah. like play out into a really funny joke. But I'm glad I thought we were going to have a wild. I was going to say I would have had like wild say. flashbacks if that happened. Yeah. I. I'm gonna, I'm gonna search so now because I'm sure he said dance. Like 20, I heard that as well. They've yeah. been stuck in the forest and fighting for at least twenty years at that point. I thought we find out later it's thirty-four years, and there's no food that we can see, and they haven't had a chance to do their laundry in thirty-four years. But they look really good. He's got a nice trim haircut. They probably learned how to fish from the river, like in Brave. They probably see that's a situation where you can spend the day learning how to fish because <laughs> it's going to come important later on. <laughs> Um, and then we get about the fire spirit. And at this point, I'm starting to turn on the movie whoa, and the whoa, fact whoa, whoa, that we have this. A crucial part I here. doubt I have, but go ahead. <laughs> he said dance space. He says dance space. I've got the subtitles up right now. Okay. That wasn't that the crucial came part. Back. The crucial part was when Olaf reenacts the entire film, the entire first film in like a minute. Oh, I have to have this, yeah. He recaps Frozen 1. And I'm like, is it cute or is it just, again, padding the runtime? I thought it was There's quite one. Cute. <sighs> There's one joke in it I like, which is like, our families are great, it will never end. They die. Yeah. That was that was like a funny joke, but it didn't need to continue. Also, I how didn't much, need the general's reactions. How much of this I actually love I love the general's reactions. reactions. <laughs> but at this point he's not a general, he's just he's just a lieutenant. He's a general, mm. isn't he? He's a general at the end, he gets promoted. Uh, they call him general earlier on. Do they? 
check. I'm sure it's lieutenant. Um, or maybe he goes from general to admiral. He gets promoted he's, at the end. He is listed on... Um, right, fair enough. No, I was going to back you up. He's listed on IMDb as being a lieutenant. Oh, there we go. So, um, so how much of this film, though, is them just going, remember Frozen 1? Remember how great Frozen 1 was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they reference it a lot. I mean, all of all of the Frozen stuff. After watching the the other ex, uh, like short films, it's all that. There's like a bit in Frozen Fever where Elsa gets a cold, and Anna's like, "You've got a cold," and she's like, "No, it's fine. Remember, a cold never bothered me anyway." And I'm oh like, "I hate wow. you so much, Disney." So this is where the fire spirit shows up. We've had the wind spirit, who they've called Gale. Now we have the fire spirit, and I'm like, "What the heck am I watching?" I've written down, "Why have I started the Disney podcast?" And the, <laughs> and the fire sp- is this at the point you sent us a message in the chat saying i really wish i hadn't chosen about Disney this time yeah <laughs> and then the fire spirits kind of like morph i mean er- and then we got everything's bloody morph in this film olaf is morph the fire spirits morph the wind is morph whatever anna the side she will also decides she wants to make into a thing is morph and then both fire morph and um elsa hear the sirens call and elsa wants to head north the sisters fight, and as they fight, the people of North Northaldra come up, and they go, that scarf is from our people. And at least this was somewhat show-don't-tell, not by much. Mm-hmm. But my question is, does no one know this in Arendelle? This strange girl has shown up. Did she ever tell her husband? Does he know she's from... Well, we, yeah. Again, we because get a teeny, why he, tiny flashback to we that, do, don't but we? Why is he we rushed get, out of, but why isn't he in the room when she then has her moment with the daughters at exactly, the start of the film? Exactly, I think this must be a rewrite thing because we get a tiny, like two seconds of flashback of their mum saying, I need to tell you about my past to their dad and then nothing else. And so I think there must says, be like a rewritten bit in the story somewhere. He even says at the beginning when they're like, did you ever find out who saved? He's like, I wish I did. Yeah. And it's just never, it's never brought Wouldn't that be like, like, happy anniversary, honey, by the way, I'm the one who saved you. It's like easy, <laughs> easy present. <laughs> um, the bit that really gets me here is that then suddenly once they've pointed out that their mum is a Northaldra they suddenly recognise her in the ice sculpture it's like oh, it's mum and it's like well didn't you think to turn around the other way and look at the female ice sculpture when you were noticing your dad opposite um, a minute ago history of Hollywood that's the, natural connect- that's the natural connection to make isn't it that's an interesting question Ethan is Northaldra um, is this supposed to be some sort of a Inuit Aboriginal type tribe borrowing culture thing I think kind of I was getting a big sort of allegory for Native Americans that yeah. I thought was going to go somewhere and it just didn't but yeah why, why, why is their mum very very white it's never really explained. Because they did not address that in the first film. <laughs> because no and they one... went, shit, we can't yeah. change our skin tone now. Because they made no. the first one, they were just Disney parents who die trope. And then they went, shoot, yep. the first film's about sisterhood. The second film's got to be about something along that. Bring the mum into it. It's rather like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll give her a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Here also begins the kind of, sort of, what I'm going to say kind of sort of queer baiting because you have that nice scene between Elsa and yeah, um, that came up in my the other girl. That really annoyed me. Um, not not the scene itself, but just the, the baiting because there's been that whole thing in the on social media of like give Elsa a girlfriend and they keep kind of hinting at it through everything and then never follow through. My question is just this. My question, I hear you on, on the tease. You didn't need to give the tease. Yeah. I have no problem with Elsa not having a girlfriend. I have no problem with the fact that Elsa is almost presented as asexual. I have no problem yeah. with that whatsoever. I, I th- even put in my notes that like 
that child Elsa is like an asexual queen. Yeah. I think when you tease that, though. Oh, it's awful. And we see actually Josh Gad seems to be a, 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 a comparable because we see uh, or a link because we saw a similar sort of. Um, we, we saw something similar happen in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Where it was represented as, oh, it's this big, uh, it's this big um, LGBTQ plus moment, and people are going to be really, really mad about it. And I'm like, it's a look. At best, it's a look, mm. and you're hoping for huge amounts from that. It happens a lot in Disney properties as well. Finding Dory is one of them. Uh, Onward was one of them, uh, and even the like Star Wars and Endgame had the same thing. And it's just very. It's very, very low effort, I think, and they always bring a big sort of show to it themselves, but it's I think what it is, very low effort. Is Disney doing their best to placate the community without annoying the people that would not be okay with a uh, non-heterosexual relationship? To, but they're okay with people marrying animals and stuff, that's all right. They're trying to make everybody happy, and as a result, it comes mm-hmm. out for kind of the corporately yeah. planned thing that it is. I will say the um, the the gay short that Pixar did on Disney Plus is absolutely fantastic. So give it a watch because that is a fantastic representation. I think personally, excellent. Uh, maybe if we can find the link for that, we can put it out on the uh, on the Twitter feed. Yep. Um, Elsa makes a promise that she's going to fix everything. Um, Anna calls her out and says, "You know what's a big promise?" I'm like, I just really wish Anna existed. So we could have her as a guest on the podcast. I think she'd be. And this is what's the problem with Anna for me is that when she's with Kristoff, Anna's an absolutely mental headcase. But <laughs> anytime she's with her sister, I'm like, Anna is always the voice of reason in this film. I do have like I did think whilst watching it, like Anna would be good at cinema sins, yes. like because she has, gives off that vibe several times. And I'm going, can we get Kristen Bell on the podcast? Because I think <laughs> she'd be great. But that's a different matter. So Probably not. Discount Flynn Rider meets someone else whose name is actually Ryder. And I'm like, you guys aren't <laughs> even trying anymore. <laughs> can you pick any other name? Um, and then there's a, a series of bonding sessions, which was a, it's a shame because they tried to introduce these new characters, kind of, from the yeah. north. North Aldra. I want to say Northumbria, but that's not, that's not right. <laughs> from, that's just from a like, place in the UK. Like the North Aldra people and the Arendellians. And they have like these conversations, which you think is bonding. But no, it's just characters telling everything to each other. So we get to learn it by having them go, mm. oh, here's this. Oh, you keep in there, buddy. I'm sure she's going to love you. I'm like, you Look, know each other for like fifth element. 90. There's a fifth spirit. I'm like, is it money? Because that would explain all of this if the fifth spirit was money. And they if just had, that was... If there was like, you know, a scene where everything hits the fan and there was fighting, you'd be like, oh, no, now I'm sad because uh, uh, North Aldrin Kristoff, it wants to fight real Kristoff. Isn't this upsetting? But no, no, we, we can't. We can't have conflict. At this point, did anyone else figure out that the fifth element straight away was Elsa than that it was ice? Because Not me. as yeah. soon as she said fifth yeah. element, I went, yep, that's yeah. Elsa Not and me. it's ice. Um, so <laughs> I saw Luke Besson laughing live at me. Through, yeah. Live through my ignorance on this one because okay. I at least have the child's sort of proposal in a sense for I hate the film. Um, much of the kids, actually, I'm lost. I'm lost in the woods. Um, so there's a proposal <laughs> that wasn't, and that was actually quite funny. The bit where they build up to this great proposal and it's mm. not... Uh, Is it? It's not, is it not Elsa? What's her name? Anna. Anna. It's not Anna. It's like the leader of uh, Northumbrians. 
Northaldrons, Northaldrons. <laughs> and then we get to the song Lost in the Woods. And I've heard a couple of references as a boy band song, but this is not a boy band song. I'm getting have, ABBA vibes. It's I not just a- have to give a shout out to Emma Littler here who uh, said on our Facebook earlier, I really hope that you talk about the 80s boy band ballad. It's, except for, it's not a boy band. Sings. It is like, it's, it's like, um, like, like, like an arena band power ballad. It's like White Snake. It's like Queen at its worst because Queen's generally there quite was good. A queen, there was a straight up Queen. There's a straight up Bohemian there. Rhapsody oh, yeah. shot yeah, in this. Yeah. yeah. And so we get the Bon Jovi slide guitar and the pine cone <laughs> is the microphone. It is an 80s power ballad. And yet, as much fun as it sounds like I'm having now, when I'm watching the movie, I've just written down, I hate this movie. Because I was really confused. Why are we wasting time with this? Yes, it's a fun to trouble. I'm like, this, and then I realized, because this is all we're going to have for Kristoff to do for the next, like, hour. This was so painful. Especially the fact that they kind of made multiple versions of him. So he was, like, standing behind a tree and in front of it at the same time. It's like, that's not how a Disney film works. And we get moments. I kind of enjoyed it. We get, no. like, inside of his head and we see all these clips from Frozen 1. And I'm like, we did this. Olaf acted out Frozen One already. I don't need how to see of clips this film of this. Did they actually reanimate? Like, oh, how know. much did they actually animate for this film? Because it doesn't sound got, like much. You're my star because I know you're my true north. And he thinks a collection of stones is Anna. Now, if you walk up and think, "Hey, I think that's Olaf," I can forgive you for that. <laughs> but he thinks this assembly of like rocks that falls over is Anna. I'm like. You know, no, I zoned out so much in this song that I don't even remember that. So, so as I, if you I played like this for me sure. as a link and just went watch this, I'd go, "That's really quite funny. I like mm. that." But within the premise of where we were in the film, I'm like, "Why are we wasting our time with this?" Because when we go back to the film, it's not any better. So, is there anything else on this, <laughs> or can I move on? I think it's just uh, like think... a fan video. Okay, um, there's like a pirate ship, but it's not a pirate ship. It's the ship. <laughs> And Gale is back and highlights the ship. And is Gale anything but just, hey, we need a deus ex machina here. Let's have Gale show up. And let's have her go off and show, oh, what's that? And they go, how do, we, how do we get them to stumble upon it? Well, Gale do it. I love it. Write it in. Um, and to create the, the, the wind spell of Gale, a, a new tool called Swoop was invented, I found out. Wow. Yep, that's, that's great. And then we find that it's father and mother's ship. And again, it's more talking than plot. For instance, did you know that, oh, Let's find the compartment. What compartment? Well, every Adrelian ship has a compartment that's waterproof. Arendellian, you mean? Arendellian, sorry. Has a, has a compartment that's waterproof. And what I hate this movie. At How least do- Olaf called that out and went, why didn't they make the whole ship waterproof? Yeah. Like, that yes. was the only bit that I appreciated about I this really entire like scene. That. But then they find <laughs> these maps showing where they're going. And apparently you write on your maps because it's what you do. And then Elsa gets down on the deck... Like puts like her like ice power into it and speaks and says, "Show me." Now I get that water has memory. Are we are we now saying that water is sentient and will yes. obey what she wants to see? You I guess she can make it sentient. She can I guess water, can't she, she hasn't had the water spirit yet. She no, creates she ice control, out of yeah, nowhere, which is made of what? Water. But that's controlling. She doesn't know. So that's, we're assuming that water has some sort of a well, is sentient. Like I said, like it, it, it thinks. Not just memory, but it thinks. I suppose, rather than her this is, controlling. Because exactly she would have she to know. To she if she has the power, then she has yeah. to know what happened, but she doesn't. Okay. Sorry, the, water drop, the water droplet effect here is one of the bits of animation that I did really appreciate. That it was really, nice. really pretty. Really good, it looks yeah. nice, yeah. It's really cool. And it looked, it did look, it didn't even look particularly animated. Like, it didn't have, like, a blue tinge to the water, like a lot of water animations do. It did look straight up crystal clear, which I thought was very, very clever. And even I noticed the animation in this bit. 
and adding to the list of terms I'm supposed to learn, and there's a lot of them in this film. There's a lot of world building for a second movie, which is just I jargon see, then. I can see why the kids found it confusing in that initial... And it's because of all the names, they're not like... I know they wanted to make them sound of a different culture and therefore mm. give them sort of a, a mythology of their own. But if I'm a kid, there's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to figure out. And the parents are looking for Atalan? Atahalan? Atahalan. Atahalan, sure. Which sounds like Egyptian. And then Elsa cries, and Anna goes out, protects her, and says, you're not a burden, you aren't, you're not to blame for their death, which kind of is, but you're a gift. Whoa. You're a gift. Now, the thing that I hate about this, especially, is that this gets rid of a whole bunch of cool stuff that people had theories for. Mm-hmm. The, the question is, you know, are they Jane's parents in, in Tarzan? Is that part of what this is? Well, no. If, if a ship's here and they can't be Jane's parents, were they, Are they go- going to Rapunzel and Flynn's wedding? Wedding, which can't that was happen, another really this. cool one that could have worked. And the other one is but no, they're not. Is it their ship that crashes at the start of um, Little, Mermaid. Little Mermaid? And all these things disappear because of this unnecessary sequel. Um, yeah. And then we've got sisters are doing it for themselves, but they're not going to do it together. And there's an icy sled ride where she, Anna, Elsa, sorry, turns everything into ice and then pushes Olaf and Anna and they slide away. And I made the prediction that it would be 20 minutes. It was more like an hour. But yeah, they're apart. And Olaf decides now he's mad too. Um, the only bit of character development we get from Olaf. And I, I appreciate that. I did like the fact that Olaf is angry. But I did. You know what they could have done with that? To I mean, to do a little bit of more show, don't tell. They could have given him a little pinky red hue, made him look a little bit red, given the little semiotics a push. But no, they just have us go tell, have us so I'm feeling angry. Like great, thanks for telling us. You could have showed us that instead. And while this is going on, Elsa decides she's going to go storming across the sea. Um. She can run on ice. I don't understand why is that. Like, she can touch ice, but are her shoes, like, super grippy? I don't know about that. She did it in the first one. And then, oh, no, she, she did do it in the first yeah. one, to be fair, yeah. But, mm. but then, but it's not like on an ink, like, it's like a slope. Okay, was she walking on, like, slopes of ice before? She, she made, like, steps uh, last time. Well, just the start of this, and then she makes a, makes a slope it does go into a slope. hand. Yeah. She, like, I guess. Anyway. I, the I, I argument guess, would be that the ice comes out of her foot, so I guess there's still ice attached to her foot until she lifts okay, her foot up. I can buy into that. So I would that's that's at least how I would argue that. And then it's like a nightmare advert for Lloyd's Bank because this water horse <laughs> keeps trying to like kill her. Uh, and of course. At times Elsa goes through the horse, at times Elsa's pushed by the horse. I try to figure out how is Elsa able to ride the water horse? Because she puts a rain around it. A rain we'll of show, water. She makes a we'll rain show of later. ice. Later, she freezes it when she wants it to she go on land. It, yeah, which, but, but it wasn't frozen here. She no. Make, she makes the rain out of ice, like little beads of ice, and then she's able to control the horse. That's how she's going to control it. It doesn't explain how she's able to sit on it. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> and so the water simulation was more realistic here than it was in Moana, but some of the elements in the movie were so realistic they felt inconsistent next to the character, and so they had to be mm-hmm. stylized further. So they went less real, actually, because it's making the characters look fake in comparison to the water. I think they went. They did probably didn't even go and far enough with that. Actually, I found myself thinking some of these other animations are amazing and look a lot better yeah. than the people do here. And I've typed in my notes here. I hate this movie. And then I've got Elsa comes up on Akatalan. 
to back to Holland. Back to Holland. Back to Holland. And um, <laughs> makes sense. It is it's Danish story. It is Danish story. And then well, that's Danish is Denmark. And then we find out that back to Holland is a frozen is a frozen <laughs> river. But we don't find this out. She goes, oh, now Glace- I get course. it. Glaciers are frozen, frozen rivers. rivers. And I'm going. If I hadn't written down I hate this movie and was getting lazy, I would have written it down again here. But yeah. <laughs> and then we have a song called Show Yourself. And some of the lyrics, you're the one I've been looking for all of my life. No, you're the one she's been looking for for the past two days. She seemed, <laughs> she, she seemed quite happy two days ago living with her sister in Arendelle. And that was the problem. We didn't see her unsatisfied with palace life. No. I think the idea is she's satisfied enough, but it's not her true calling. Right, but so did, did we, not... no, trust me, I don't want to extend the runtime further, but could we have removed something else and given us something where everything looks good, but she's kind of going, huh. you know. Again, we get told that. We don't yes. get, we don't get shown. And this movie needs to show me, because at, at what point am I going, why are you so disappointed? It looks like you're having a great time. The people yeah. love you. You love the people. You're, you care about them? You're a good ruler? And even at the start of Into the Unknown, she's like, everything that I love is in this castle. Yeah. And- uh, they tried to do it all within that song. Yeah. And that wasn't the right time it for work. it. No. Uh, and so I've got, they're like, oh, it's the fifth spirit. And I've got, if this is just her again as the fifth spirit, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you joined oh, the club. <laughs> I'll let you know how my expression was here. And then it's Fantasia again. And then I've got, wait, it's her bloody mother. And then the mother says, no, you're the one you've been waiting for. And I'm like, okay, the movie's literally having to explain this to me because and it I doesn't make sense. It. it didn't make have sense. You, has anybody ever seen the movie Contact? No. Uh, no. Okay, if anybody out there has seen Contact and you've gotten to the third act, this is exactly how I felt in Contact. I'm like, wait, I've wasted how much of my movie and this is the ending? You're literally telling me because you can't show me? It's going to be, oh, I understand now. No. Um... Anna has every right to be angry because why uh, about not being there? Because shouldn't Anna be here to hear this? Now, I know you have to get her across the sea to do it, but if you think about the things that Elsa is privileged enough to learn here, but Anna should get this opportunity. I just went, this isn't right. Uh, And then we get to a whole bunch of Frozen 1 clip shows again and a few jokes. And there are some funny jokes in this, um, we find out that um, when she hears herself sing Let It Go, she kind of tweaks her head like she's a bit pitchy or something like that. I'm like, yeah. that's quite that's funny. That's really funny. That's um, a brilliant joke. That Hans, and her knocking over the Hans snow shows Hans. up and she knocks yeah. him over. And, are, and there's a lovely, both good. And there's a lovely joke as well, and I do want to bring this one up, where child her, her parents' as children are reading a story, and they go, what are you reading? Oh, some Danish yeah. author. And, of course, that's Hans yeah. Christian Andersen, isn't it? Which was a nice joke there. And then here's the twist. Grandpa is the villain. Who saw that coming? Not me. What? I didn't see that one no, coming. I coming. knew there'd be a twist, but really? I didn't, didn't know that Didn't was see that. it coming. That was obvious right from the start when well, there was the when the dad looked away and no, then there was a fight. No, oh, my goodness. Not, I, I went into it with a child's sense of wonder. I wasn't looking for... I was trusting people. Um, and so, I came in it with cynicism and Stockholm Syndrome. I was just expecting the ginger one to be the bad guy. And so... Elsa goes and chases after bad guy grandpa. And uh, Elsa, as a result, is frozen, roll credits, uh, which I didn't understand. If, if, if she's the fifth spirit, how can she be frozen? 
because she went too far and she drowned. Why? Because the movie told us that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Like, if you think about it, but like, she didn't even drown. She just froze. Like the fire spirit can't like over fire itself. The water spirit can't over water itself. But why can Elsa, as the the ice spirit, over ice herself? I don't movie. know. Movie. Okay, movie. Um, Movie's got a movie. <laughs> and so some were completely it wants to mirror different. mirror the thing that Anna went through in the first one. I haven't really one, talked about badly. it. But, but Olaf and Anna are running from the, the stone giants because they need her to be somewhere else. And there's a nice little scene between Olaf and Anna. And Olaf is starting to demagic. And I'm going, is this how this works? We were never told these were the rules. And I guess that's part of the thing. But I'm going, this is stupid. Um, But as it's like Independence Day or Avengers logic, if you kill the the, the queen of the hive, everything else dies. Um, Or B logic, as you've just described it. But thankfully, yeah. But thankfully, he's able to sort of explain. Like, literally, he's telling us again. It's like I can show you. Oh, something must be wrong with Elsa. Oh, I'm guessing she didn't make it. And I'm going... (laughs) I hate this movie. Um, how impactful is Olaf's death? If you want to call I it a death. Okay, I was going to ask, did anybody cry? Because I think they were going for like a typical Disney death here. And I don't think it carries any weight. Um, I, I was definitely... shocked slightly. Okay. If you told me after watching the first film that Olaf was going to die, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to cry buckets. And I definitely didn't. I might have found it a bit emotional when they have their like, Warm hugs. I like warm hugs. I love you, bit. But I definitely yeah. That was that bit was a little bit emotional. I think that's more about because we know and we've seen it before that Elsa can recreate Olaf because she's done it, but in the first film. Yeah, and we know, and we know that Elsa's not actually going to be dead for the whole film because it's a Disney film and she's the protagonist. Then you go, his death has no impact because you can just bring him back. And we've already established water has memories. So yeah, this is my this is my issue with it is that. Because we just saw Elsa freeze up. Who's the more important character? Elsa or Olaf? I mean, well, it's, well, it's Elsa. So if you want me to emotionally care about someone, you probably shouldn't bookend Olaf's quote-unquote death right after Elsa's quote-unquote death. Because at that <laughs> yeah. point, like, I'm already going, I'm pretty low anyway. It's not like, is it Bing Bong in, uh, in, oh, Bing Bong. in Inside Out? Or any of those classic sort of Disney protagonists, we think you're going to die, you're not going to die. Like, it's not Ray from... Um, Oh, I just got always called Ray. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Star Wars for a second. No, Ray from Princess and the Frog. It's not yeah. because these things. If if you had killed uh, Tiana and then killed Ray two seconds later, like no one cares if oh, Ray's dead devastated. at this point. No, it's Tiana. You'd be like, oh no, yeah, but, oh Ray's dead too. Ray, well, yeah, but he's a bug. Anyway, it's like where they had Spider-Man be the last person to die in in Infinity Walks. So they're like. He's the big one. Yes. You're the one that will get the most emotion. Absolutely. I'm not going to get, like, I like Falcon a lot, but if I saw Spider-Man go first, be like, ah, oh, Spider-Man, where's Falcon? Oh, Even okay, in Endgame, cool. the order in which the characters die, I mean, there's a reason for that, because no one would have cared about, I mean, you could argue did they care in the end anyway, but I mean, Gosh. some of those scenes were important, at least for the 10 minutes surrounding them, but they yeah. wouldn't have been if they happened after the big death. I'm tr- I don't know why I'm going so spoiled. Like, everybody su- knows the spoiler, I'm I think I'm going to suggest now. we put a spoiler warning on the start of this episode for other films. I think if you're watching this, we're assuming you've seen a bunch of them. You don't have to have seen all of the Marvel films to be watching a review oh, I didn't, on I, I didn't make any reference to specific death in Endgame. We're okay. Um, and, there was, and Spider-Man's fine because there is a Spider-Man sequel. So, yeah, it's fine. And also, hang on, there's a full-on tribute to the death in the trailer of Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, is there really? So, okay. Oh, yeah. You know. Every time I see his face or something, I don't but know. Yeah. Then we hear that love is permanent. 
Love is Permanent, and um, I don't know. No Olaf, and I hate um, this movie. Before this, we've got a moment where Elsa sort of sends a ice sculpture up to Anna and Olaf to suddenly somehow tell them that what happened in history so they can get it just from the ice sculpture. Okay. It just appears in front of them, which is a bit weird. And she's able to decipher it because sisters... Then we get the song, The Next Right Thing, and the lyrics are literally her just recapping the film to this point. She decides, I'm going to do the next right thing. I hear voices in my head telling me what to do. Do the next right thing. The voices in my head were saying, turn the film off. Um, Was this the bit where she's in the cave being all depressed? And she jumps this giant leap. Oh, I didn't realize she sang. According to Belle, the animators played pranks in the cast, including at this point and other scenes, they were going to have audible flatulence. It was going to happen when oh. Anna and Elsa were together in bed, and another scene where she was to jump between cliffs and didn't quite make it. There was going to be fart sounds. Thankfully, what? didn't make it into the final film. I hate this movie. Um, what? So she jumps over this kind of, and she ends up kind of on this perch when she realizes she's going to go and, and get the dam, was when she sees the dam. But then we kind of yada, yada, yada over how she gets out of the cave because she can't get down from where she is. She obviously goes back into the cave, but she can't make that jump again that we just saw her make. Nope. So we kind of yada, 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 and we just kind of have a crossfade to her. And um, she wakes up the giants, and she steals the third act from Jurassic World, <laughs> where she gets, the, she gets the stone giants like chase her and do what she wants them to do. Uh, and I've just got written down, this is a shame, because I liked Anna in the first film. And I feel like they completely messed her up in this film. And then Kristoff, who had nothing to do all movie, and now this is happening, because we need someone to save her a couple times. Uh, Lieutenant, oh, he's Lieutenant. I have it on my notes here. Lieutenant Matthias realizes the damn move. And by damn move, I mean the move about the damn, but also the fact I'm getting frustrated with the film at this point. Um, and he stops her and he goes, what about the truth? And she goes, my sister gave her life for the truth. And he goes, good enough. And I go, I hate this movie. Um, Anna hasn't thought this through though, because she's on the damn as it starts to like break apart. Uh, thankfully, Matthias and Kristoff together save Anna, and the ice giants are satiated, partially because magic happens, and it's like the end of Moana, where everybody goes, oh, it's complete. But I'm still like, they, they like stop. Like, they, they, it's like Matthias and Kristoff and Anna in advance knew. They'd read the script and went, don't worry, once this is over, the, the giants will stop trying to chase you. And I'm like, well, how do they know that part? Because it's kind of collapsed. And I'm like, I'd still be like, we need to move, because they're throwing like giant boulders, and we're not really in the clear yet. Um, I don't know how this somehow this saves Elsa and Elsa thaws now no point were we told if the right thing happens Elsa is saved I don't know how these two things are linked but apparently they are and they're I, not we need an end of film and I hate this movie Anna saves the day again uh, by saving her sister uh, and then Elsa goes and makes an ice dam through her water horse. I can't believe these words coming out of my mouth. Uh, did anybody notice there was a cameo for the, the Swedish guy who owns the shop where you get like your hunting and camping supplies? Yeah, he was yeah. in it at the start as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, okay. he's been in the whole film. Well, this is the only time I noticed him. Um, and then the power the whole of... The film's a bit rich. She's in two scenes. He's in two scenes. <laughs> at the start and the end. He's that's not the whole, the whole film. film. That's kind of like Mrs. Darling. Uh, He's the, been in Arendelle for the whole film. Fair enough. So the power is restored. The Wi-Fi reconnects, and that's great. And then we get my love is not fragile. This is what Kristoff says. And I've just got... That's another way of basically saying, you'll be back. 
soon you'll see um the rain- oh can i just say yeah because of last episode every time i've been trying to sing you'll be back i'm doing the monkeys daydream believer, um, daydream believer. <laughs> and it's really throwing me for a loop every time i listen to the soundtrack now uh the reindeer are so excited they run into a circle to celebrate the fact they can now go anywhere <laughs> there's nothing that says we can go anywhere <laughs> like doing a circle <laughs> um anna is told by elsa you saved me again and arendelle did not fall i mean really this worked out best case scenario for anna like she thought her sister was dead and she'd killed everybody she knows. No, she knew the people were outside of Arendelle. She wasn't yeah. expecting to kill them. Uh, I don't know. But Arendelle did not fall. And then she went, you're the fifth spirit. You're the bridge. And Elsa goes, a bridge has two sides. And mother had two daughters. We did this together. I'm kind of going, can we just mention that mum and dad had two daughters? Can we do, maybe maybe the bridge was their marriage? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah. This bugged me again. Another bit that bugged me in Frozen Two. What a surprise! But they don't pay that off. Like, if the spirit really is the two of them as one, like, then give give Anna something else to do. Like, give she her hosts, something as well. Because well, if she's, not, she's gonna be queen. that's just a that's just mumbo jumbo, isn't she's be, it? She'll be queen. But it just but remember, guys, doesn't feel like it's, wins all. It just doesn't feel like there's enough of a connection to that line. Like if. if if, like, say, we see a little bit more of her coronation and that's kind of said, so now we have yeah, a sister enough. in both lands or something like that, then that would be a bit more cohesive. Right. It just yeah. doesn't have that. And then we do get a call back saying, hey, sis, I got a question for you. Do you want to build a snowman? And I'm going, all right, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a good line to get back Olaf. But uh, it felt like a tonal shift. Water has memory, thankfully. Um, and then we have the sisters telling other minor characters how the film has ended. <laughs> which was good and then we have the coronation or the coronation just some sort of a thing and Kristoff looks like a sleazy nightclub owner when he's all like dressed up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we have the coda uh, queen anna and they erect a statue of the of the mother and the father's children and i just kind of went given the time that we're watching this film and kind of felt like a bad time to be erecting statues yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and now the horse can be semi-frozen, so you can ride it to places like Charade Night. <laughs> uh, and Anna finishes the film by returning to the place that almost killed her. And then the movie ends, and we get a Panic in the Disco version of oh, Into the Unknown. Oh, and if you I kept watching it, so much. but if you kept watching it long enough, you also got covers of a few other songs. It was like it was like a full out like tribute album. My favorite was Lost in the Woods. And I'm like, I know this sound. Who is this? And then I moments before it comes off, I went, this is I get really excited because I'm a child of I was a teenager in in the mid to late 90s. And I'm going, this is Weezer. This is Weezer. You're the first person to ever get excited at Weezer. I love Weezer. But there's also a post-credit scene. (laughs) And I hate the post-credit scene. Oh, I loved it. Because Olaf recaps again. Okay. He recaps again. By he, by he and... you mean you mean Kristoff? Uh, Olaf. <laughs> Olaf. Olaf. Yeah. Olaf. Yeah. Is... He he recaps the entirety of Frozen Two to Marshmallow and all the teeny tiny babies that um, Elsa created in Frozen Fever. Every time she sneezes, she creates life. 
I missed it because I was looking at the credits and there was still like 16 minutes left and I was like, there must be something in here. So I was scrolling through it trying to find it because I didn't want to sit through any more Weezer or Panic at the Disco. And I must have missed it in my scrolling because I just got to the Danish subtitles. <laughs> I was like, oh, you okay. Miss, you didn't miss much. Okay. It's just much of being like, we live, we live. I and thought then it was really opens. cute. I really enjoyed the, co- the post-credits scene. I think both of those, I mean, they're edited on a way. I like the editing style because that's... I just like editing that goes that way. I think you can get a lot of humor out of that, especially with cutaways. And rather than having Lieutenant Matthias, having Marshmallow was an interesting choice. And I'm like, all right. Uh, but again, it's just that idea of where does the best moments come from by referencing the first film. Mm. Just the, his reveal is like, oh, he's in the first film. That means yeah. I like him. Because they don't really do a good job of creating a, a singular character from, I mean, yeah, Lieutenant Matthias is okay. Is he, is he essential? He doesn't get enough in the no. second film. No. Uh, like. The woman who's the leader of the Northumbrians. Yelena. Uh, yeah. She's, she's great. She's actually quite funny, but she doesn't get enough to do. It really, it really yeah. if, if anything, the cast of characters is, is significantly smaller than the first one in that regard. Um, so um, that's Frozen 2. So... Um, I think we kind of all can all figure out kind of more or less where we went. Uh, is there a favorite character in this in this uh, in this film? Uh, the salamander. He is super cute. Salamander. The fire spirit. Yeah. Um, I enjoy Kristoff. That's how you do a sidekick. Get rid of Olaf. My favorite part of this film was the ten minutes where Olaf is dead. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm. Gonna, it's really hard. I'm gonna go. Kristoff's uh, entertaining. Can I do Anna when she's not around Matthias? Not Matthias. Anna when she's not around Kristoff? Yeah, she's. Yeah, sure. no, I like her yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. You get rid of the stuff when Kristoff's around, and I rather, yeah. I, I rather quite, quite liked Anna's character in this. She definitely wasn't as good as in the first film, though. No. None of them are. So I don't think you can call her a favorite character okay, if you know she's got more potential. Here's the problem. Because we, we ask in our other podcast, whose story is this? And this is unequivocally. Elsa's story at the uh, expense of everybody else. Hmm. Yeah. Ethan, you disagree? No, I was going, uh, I'm just, I was trying to think of anyone who actually has a story. But yeah, you, no, you could argue that because I think you said in the Frozen uh, episode that it's a load of different stories mashed together. With this, it's you have the A story, which is Elsa, and the B story is Kristoff trying to propose and that's it there is no other sort of i mean he does propose we kind of glossed yeah. over that he does actually ask her to marry him right yeah i, yeah. I, I didn't totally forget that um so I mean, but there's no it doesn't feel like it's anything earned no. because no. you had him disappear for half an hour because you told us it wasn't important the whole film hmm. so um favorite song maybe we'll just go ahead and j- jump on unless anyone wants to talk about a favorite character we haven't talked about yet Matthias is good. I like Matthias. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not. He's not, he's not. I like the leader of the Northumbrians as well. Oh, what is, I forget what it's called, actually. But. I can't even remember now. You yeah. S- you said but I remember. Her, I prefer. Her. I like her. I mean, it was all right. Um, favorite song? Um, I, I think my favorite song is probably Show Yourself. That was a nice song, um, actually. I'll give you that. It, yeah. was, it was quite nice. Like, none of the songs compared to the ones in Frozen at all. Like, there's so many better ones in the first film, but. I really wasn't a fan of Into the Unknown, but I mean, it was okay, but I didn't, it wasn't Let It Go. So I'm going to go for Show Yourself instead. Ethan, Georgia, anything? Uh, I like Lost in the Woods, I think, because it's such a tonal shift and I was getting so sort of sick of the film at this point that I went, huh, this is funny. This is campy. 
they let jo- Jonathan Groth just do something stupid. Cool. Uh, this is the only thing that I'll remember. This is the kind of thing that was designed to go viral by itself. Put yeah, it on YouTube. It send it I out I didn't know there. about this. Yeah. Usually, within the unknown, I knew about I it. I was surprised Where, I didn't know yeah. about this. Yeah. There's a lot I didn't. I was like, oh, cool. This, this, this blew under the... This entire film flew under the radar for, I think, everyone. I have like friends who are hardcore Disney fans for Frozen, and they just didn't talk about it. Georgia. Um, that's not even a song. I the like four notes, whatever it is, of the sirens' call got stuck in my head. We hear it that much, but it is done so well, and it's incorporated into into the unknown, especially and the, into a, one of the other songs as well, which like, is quite nice. Especially yeah. the like the like end credit version, the Panic of a Disco version of Into the Unknown, really uses those four notes as like kind of like a rock sort of yeah. like choral callback. Mm. It was really quite cool. So uh, yeah, the, always the I'll say cool they... about Panic and the Disco, but there we go. <laughs> I love Panic! How dare you? Um, they're, they're good. Wait, 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 I, wait, wait! Little man who gave me a hard time about Weezer is going to defend Panic at the Disco. I, I like up, Weezer as well, so I'm. I grew up this. with with Edgy's two Edgy two thousands music. <laughs> I, I was I was an all American reject. Um, good Charlotte, what are you talking about? Uh, my my romance and Panic yes. at the uh, boy. I I I was that Edgy boy. Um, I guess mine would be. I guess I'll say whatever it was at the start nothing's gonna change or everything's the same or whatever it was called yeah that one some things never change uh just because i mean it kind of felt like it's like your it's your first big number of a disney film it's it's oh my god it's literally like muppets it's life's a happy song it's life's a happy song it's it's um oh there goes the baker with his tray like always it's it's the introduce yourself to the universe song yeah, which yeah. which I I rather like because it let me go. Here's all the characters and here's where they stand. And sometimes a song is a great way to do that. And so and it was melodically it was fine. Um, is there a is there a best bit? Um, we'll, just before we do that, um, you said earlier there was a song that was nominated for oh okay best, best original song. Yeah yeah. Do anybody want to have a go? What it was? I'm gonna guess it's got to be into the unknown. Yeah yeah, yeah it's it's discount. Yeah, let it go. yeah it didn't yeah. win. Don't worry, but it was, it was nominated. Didn't deserve to win either. Um, <laughs> best bit, worst bit. We do best bits really quick. I mean, I think we've kind of just talked about what our, our best bits may have been. Um, Maybe the bit when Olaf recaps the first film. I think anything where they're showing a meta-ness is, can, yeah. can be the best bit. Yeah. But conversely, I think my worst, actually, it's not my worst bit. My worst bit, I want to do an honorable mention for everything that's meta because it just reminded you of all the good stuff was in the first film. Hmm. <laughs> I really liked when Olaf dressed up as the troll. I think wasting these 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 characters, wasting Kristoff oh. for the whole yeah. film, wasting so this much. Is the worst bit now. Yeah, because I think we ought to, if anybody's got a different best bit, go ahead. But uh, the worst bit is for me is just wasting these secondary characters because they they sacrificed everything at the expense of getting to that end that finish line. And when you begin with the end in mind, which can be important in the storytelling technique, but they didn't figure out what they wanted to do with the other characters at all. They went, well, let's just have this 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 lazy, sloppy wedding proposal storyline. Like you think about what Anna's story was in the first Frozen film and you think about what her, what her story was in the second Frozen film. Like, they waste, w- they waste that character in this. Absolutely. Not only does she depict a strong woman, but she also depicts that, no, I can also be in love with someone yeah. else. And that's, and make, that's brilliant. That's great mis- to see, but mistakes. they waste it in this. I make mistakes. And even the idea of the, the, the first film's about sisters. The second mm. film, you could argue, is more about mothers and daughters. But that's really hard to do when you killed off the mother in the first film. Mm. Yep. Just a thought. Uh, anybody else got a worse bit or a best bit that maybe I didn't talk about? Um, one of the 
good, nice, nice bits, good bits. I really appreciated the costuming in this. I don't know if you can call it costuming if it's sure. animated, no, but the right. outfits that they wear throughout this, um, Arnold Elsa's outfit changes throughout the film, I really, really liked. Interesting story. They had to figure, because they never actually showed Elsa with bare feet in the first films, they had to figure out how to animate her feet for, the, for this version. So they could take most of the character over, but they had to figure did, out what do we do with her foot. I did think it was odd that they had quite a prolonged shot of her feet yeah. in this. I was thinking <laughs> yeah, I've never, no, never normally see that in a Disney film. Tarantino like, had, a, had a moment in the director's chair for this. That's like a Dan Schneider type thing, not a Disney thing. It must be because they'd finally worked out how to animate it and they wanted to make the most of it i guess something. so yeah um anybody else best bit worst bit see they shouldn't have found it that difficult because there's a shot of rapunzel's feet several times entangled oh. and they're like the same body shape so surely they could have carried most of that over you know but... there's some super diehard fan more so than even the four of us who would go oh that's just that's rapunzel's, that's just foot. rapunzel's foot that's all that is <laughs> but that is literally the body shape of anna and elsa and the yeah, face no. shape is literally just rapunzel yeah. but blonde or ginger so they could have carried the feet over as well anyway you know the bad part is i can't even think of a good thing like lost in the woods was fun but that's not a best part for me i just liked it because it was dumb and terrible i think that's um, the worst part it's so weird yeah i got nothing okay so i think we're at the time where it's raiding time uh, just so everybody who may not have heard before, what we do is we keep track of all the Disney animated classics we have seen. This is the, is it the 15th? It's the 15th that we have seen to this point. So far, we have seen Frozen, Mulan, Pocahontas, Lady and the Tramp, The Three Caballeros, Sword in the Stone, Wreck-It Ralph, Treasure Planet, Aladdin, Hunchback of Notre Dame, 101 Dalmatians, Owls in Wonderland, The Wild, Princess and the Frog, and Frozen 2. And the challenge everybody is going to have in a moment is they're going to have to place that as a ranking, one being the best and 15 being the worst. The last time we did one, Ethan punished us by making us watch The Wild, which was not a very popular choice amongst the group <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where frozen's at if you would all know could you please tell me when you do your rankings where did you have frozen one if you can remember and then yeah. where do you have frozen two absolutely and so let's start with ellie so i've got frozen one at number one at the moment at and the I moment was, is this going to be your new number uh, one no it's not <laughs> frozen one is going to stay at number one um, I just mean at the moment because it's Frozen is not my favourite Disney film at all, but it's out of the ones we've watched. Enough, yeah. It's it's up there, so I know that it will fall. But it's I really really liked the original Frozen, and I know I was perhaps in a bit of a minority when we did our first podcast. But I was really looking forward to seeing Frozen too. I'd heard really good things about it. Loads of people had said they enjoyed it, and I really didn't. Um, so I've got it at number ten, which puts it behind Pocahontas. And if you've heard my reviews on pocahontas you'll understand how bad that makes this film um, <laughs> and above treasure planet okay um ethan uh i have frozen at number seven so that was below mulan and above alice in wonderland i have frozen two at number 12 which is below lady and the tramp and above 101 dalmatians both two films that i did not enjoy okay. that much it's a sandwich between the, the two the two dog stories yeah okay <laughs> i think we see a pattern here ethan something does... about bitches actually, springs to mind actually ethan wasn't that big of a fan of homeward bound we discovered either he was kind of he was kind <laughs> no, of yeah, no, he's, he's just, just not just a dog heartless. person <laughs> I think, aristocats I think... will be number one but <laughs> <laughs> uh moving on georgia 
Um, I have the original Frozen at number five, which I'm quite happy with. That's all right placing for that. I have uh, Frozen 2 at number 11, which is between Sword in the Stone and Lady and the Tramp. And I'm looking at my rating and I feel really bad that in the first few episodes, I was really horrible to Mulan because Mulan's currently in 13. Wow. And I feel like that does not belong wow. in 13. We told you you were being harsh yet, on Mulan. Yet you are still <laughs> continuing to rank things above Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> so you, can't go, like, you can't go I rated Frozen 2 at 11 but I feel really bad for Moolah being at 13th let's stop rating things above it <laughs> why don't you think Frozen 2 is better than Moolah alright I, I prefer the animation in All Frozen right. 2 uh, it's interesting because you said you had Frozen at 5 and um, Frozen 2 at 11 yeah yeah okay I have Frozen 1 at 5 and I have Frozen 2 at 11 between hey. <laughs> between 101 Dalmatians and Lady in the Trap. So I've kind of got a little bit of Ethan's dog thing going on there. Um, I did not like this movie. Um, the first one, I kind of begrudgingly went, yeah, it was all right. Quite, it, it, I, I quite liked it. I, I think I said openly when we did the first episode, clearly I wasn't the audience for it. Um, mm. I don't know who the audience for this was besides merchandising. Apparently, the kids didn't get it when they kids didn't get it. The the adults apparently liked it. I challenge that. Um, I think. think, uh, Oh no, you go, Georgia. I can imagine the original cut of this because there's hints to it in this version. It might have been a bit darker. Like if they'd have gone a little bit more ham with the darker themes in this film and actually made the deaths impactful then it might have been a better film for adults, if not for children, but for the adults watching it might have meant a little bit more. So I wonder if the original cut that got that information from it perhaps had a little bit more of a tangible storyline and character development, but made it that children didn't understand it. But I'd have preferred to have seen something that was maybe rated a U rather than a PG, a PG rather than a U and had it a little bit darker, but... I feel, That's just me. I feel they wrote themselves into a corner when they went with these four spirits and then Elsa's going to be the fifth spirit because it meant you had to somehow establish the four previous spirits. And going mm. with that journey then took all the other characters away from us. And that's just a story mistake. When someone was laying out how to get to the ending, they went for something that feels, well, it's easy to follow. One, two, three, four, five, as Brave would teach us. But uh, I think what actually is the case is... The, in order to do that, it has to be so Elsa heavy that you lost everything that was charming about the first film. And if you incorporated it, it had to be ham-fisted. What would Bob Iger say at the start? We're not going to force some sort of storytelling upon the audience? Well, that's exactly what you did. So I that's think, my issue. I think this film is for the very basic general audience, ones who aren't going to care like, in detail as, as we do, who will go to the parks but don't really like absorb that the other things this is for just the general audience who don't care like about the the finer details and just see whatever and i think the box up shows that because it's frozen people like olaf people like minions blah 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 i think it's just that what appeals to the masses versus what appeals as quality final question will they go and do a, a frozen three? Oh, i hope not well, probably sure. i think perhaps not because Olaf does say in this one, are we done now? And I thought that might be a little bit of a nod to the Frozen franchise overall. I hope so, but he might just go, nope, we're not done now. I mean, that's how you write yourself I mean, out of it in the next mm-hmm. one. My theory is they will make a third one or something, um, and because they're making their Frozen lands, and they need to somehow be uh, 
advertise make that relevant again yeah, yeah it's it's will. like how it's like how in rise of skywalker they were like hey guys do you know about the the planet batu uh galaxy's edge is a thing like they don't yeah. show it but they reference it um i, I, I mean, it would just be like that one point... there'll be a song about uh arendelle land or something 1.35 billion dollars i mean if, if they there can will have... at least be another short film no the, 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 there, 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 will, there yeah. will definitely be but there'll hmm. be i think there'll fall out there'll be another fallout uh, I think there will you? be. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Because you've got the, the marketing's half done for you. You've already got so much right. frozen merch out there. I mean, if if you can squeeze seven, eight Harry Potter films out, you can squeeze out a third Frozen film. Because, frozen three, the escape room. Because once you've established who these characters are and the IP and the merchandising for that, all you do is just every couple of years find a way to sort of refine it. But I hope they learn their lessons from Frozen two and actually try and do something. Um, meaningful meaningful and try and realize there's more than there's more than one character because the problem with elsa's character is always she's the one with magic and anna's the other one and in the first film we were taught but to sort of put that aside in the second film we were taught no 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 that's the way it should be elsa's the special one and anna will just go on and do what she needs to do but don't worry about I, her too much. I'd like a story based around Anna and Kristoff and perhaps with with children going and one of the children's got power and how to raise a child with magical powers without dying and leaving them to kind of fix their own problems would be quite nice. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. You know they'd kill Kristoff because they don't know what to do with him. Yeah, probably. So that is uh how we felt about that ethan all that's left now is for you to tell us what we are watching next we are trusting you to pick a movie after choosing the wild uh as they say at the end of indiana jones 3 choose but choose wisely (laughs) yeah so i had to come up with um, (laughs) i had to come up with a way to go on a trust again and i realized we haven't done a pixar film in like a month and a half so Rev your engines. We are doing The Incredibles. You thought I was going to say cars. No, we're doing a good one. We're doing Incredibles. Okay, we're doing The Incredibles. That sounds super. Uh, (laughs) So, um, I'm excited. We haven't done many Pixar's yet. We've done... Is it... We've done done two? two? Two. Brave and... Oh, we did Brave. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We did Brave Brave and we did Coco. So Brave and Coco, and now we're going to add The Incredibles into that. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to that, having just done Die Hard with a Vengeance on the other podcast. And so there's some crossover between that in the form of a glorious man named Samuel L. Jackson. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. If anybody thought that potty mouth was going to end up in the Disney franchise, put your hands up because it wouldn't have been me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm so. really excited just because of the amount of times that um, at work we reference um, The Incredibles. And so there's a few little quotes and stuff from that that I love to pieces so i'm excited to watch it again i saw it in the cinema and haven't seen it since so i'm looking forward to going down that road again i saw it a really long time I, ago as well okay i remember i saw it a couple of times i saw it before incredibles 2 that was a mistake um but no this is fun i my main memory of this is the ps2 game of the like the sequel game which was rise of the underminer so excellent yay so hopefully it was a better sequel than what we looked at today um without a mind um Thank you for joining us on our journey into Frozen 2. Um, please join us next time when we go ahead and Ethan regains our trust, hopefully, <laughs> as we look at The Incredibles. Just wait for my next choice. It'll be awful. So, for talking to Mickey, I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. I've been Georgia. And I've been Ethan. I'll say this. I'm sure some people enjoyed Frozen, but I think it's fair to say at the end of the day, the four of us found ourselves lost in the woods. (laughs) 
We'll see you next time. So, for Talking the Mickey, I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. I've been Georgia. And I've been Ethan. And, oh, f- <laughs> you should you should just make that the exit line. Just beep, just beep it out. out. Yeah. That's, the, that's the summary of the episode. <laughs>